sights to show you. Good evening, and welcome to the 63rd episode of The Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. I am joined tonight by my lovely co-hosts, Jackie DeVore and Sierra Houck. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you ladies this evening? I'm good. It's been a little bit since we did this. It has been a little bit. Such a little bit. It's always a little bit. Yeah. We actually talk about things that we want to talk about pretty frequently. I don't think more than a couple days goes by that we don't speak to each other about ideas and things that we want to talk about. Yeah, it's pretty weird if we don't talk like, yeah. within a couple days. Sometimes doing the talking is <laughs> getting on the microphone and, and making the talking happen. <laughs> this is the actual part. Yeah, <laughs> on a show. <laughs> It is odd and, I don't know, I guess I could say a little bit spooky sometimes how many various uncontrollable factors get in the way of our shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. We've had hurricanes, snowstorms, illnesses. Power outages. Power outages. Yeah. Wild Crazy dogs. On <laughs> Sierra's end. <laughs> yep. Or wild bunnies over Not here. Not to mention wild time bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> Killer bunnies. What do they call that bunny on... Um, that rabbit's yes. dynamite. <laughs> Killer rabbit. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was also thinking of bunicula. <laughs> bunicula. We have a very sort of, I'll say nicely, a loose episode this evening. <laughs> <laughs> I just had some fun things that I wanted to chat about. But I think we're going to get comfortable tonight and settle into chatting about our recommendations because we always have to rush through it so fast. And we've all, for the... Well, okay. I was about to say for the first time we have all different things on our recommendations, but that's not true because we ended up with the same thing on all three of our recommendations. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite. We'll we'll save that for last, okay? We'll save that for last. Sierra, why don't you start us out with yours because I have no idea what one of these means. So, Oh, (laughs) Oh, wait, no, I do. Okay, Okay, never mind. No, the the abbreviation. Is that what got you? I am so quick tonight. I'm so quick. (laughs) Well, my, my first one is the movie Cooties we watched on HBO over the weekend. It was a very fun, like, dark comedy. It has Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson in it. And the, the plot of it is that uh, in this... Yes, in this town, these kids... It's this, like, middle school... Elementary gets school. ...gets overrun. Is it? No, I think it's middle school because it's, like, about them being, like, tweens is, like, a key point. It might be in elementary school. I don't know. But basically, a zombie outbreak happens at a school... And all these little kids turn into these, like, horrible zombies with, like, nasty, like, pus faces. And, and the teachers have to survive. And it ended up being kind of relevant to our topic today <laughs> about how you can get around these, like, modern conveniences in horror. Because the school has a no cell phone policy. And so even the teachers had to give up all of their cell phones. Which, <laughs> which explained away why they didn't just have cell phones to call for help. That's a clever way to explain it. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. And then it also added the plot point of, like, okay, now we have to, like, go through the vents to, like, go get the cell phones. And, like, it it created extra problems to actually just getting out of the school. I did not remember what this was. And then I just quickly Googled it. And now I remember seeing this movie. And it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets some, like, pretty gnarly, like, body horror slash, like, factory farming kind of scenes. Like, the zombie outbreak centers around this chicken factory and so it it like shows like how gnarly and grotesque that like creating chicken nuggets and things takes (laughs) um so it uses this very real like real actual 
grotesque horror. And there's so many good people in this movie. Rain Wilson. I love Jack McBrayer mm-hmm. from The oh, Office. It's awesome. Yeah. George Garcia's in here from Lost, which I feel like I don't see him enough. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in many things at all. Basically playing the same character, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm pretty sure he's just But him. he's still charming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fun. Yeah, this movie was really silly and really fun. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an elementary school. Which I'm only saying definitely because I just looked at the IMBD. I don't remember that. My memory doesn't work that well. But now that I think about it, I remember, like, at the beginning of the film, thinking, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable to watch them, like, (laughs) have to behead and murder elementary school kids Mm -hmm. when they become zombies. But I don't remember it being that, like, it was so silly and goofy that I don't remember it being affecting me in a bad way. Yeah, they do a pretty good job of making all the kids, like, actually assholes, too. Like, mean bullies and things so like you don't feel too bad i just always feel like you know watching little kids get hammered on by adults is not something anybody wants to see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like it's a rough thing to like put into a movie and do it in a classy way so it doesn't just feel like child abuse right (laughs) (laughs) jackie house flipper like is that a recommendation of something that you saw or is that is that a part of this uh, just tell me about it because i'm confused okay yeah there's a variety of games that i like to play and one variety is you're talking about the game oh my god (laughs) i'm talking about the game and it's i swear you're gonna laugh so hard when i get to it but i always like to have like one game that i come to that is just relaxing and then i can just zone out to you know typically it's arc because you know i'm obsessed with dinosaurs and (laughs) open world survival games but lately, I've been playing House Flipper, and it's strangely fun. I can't explain why it is. But there's an Easter egg in this freaking game where you go and, like, remodel these stupid houses for people where there is a big old haunted house. Ooh. I know. <laughs> it's, like, it's one of the most expensive houses in the game. You have to, like, really do a lot of work to get there. I mean, I, I don't think I was really expecting much because it's... It, I mean, I don't know how to explain why this game has such appeal because it's a fucking house flipping game. Is it the same reason why we like binged six seasons of Property Brothers? Yes. You know what? Because it's just so soothing. Yes. It is. That's that's what it is. (laughs) But so... Uh, this haunted house, like, I'm just going to walk you through it because, honestly, it takes a while to get there. And I don't expect a whole lot of people listening to this to really go through this stupid game to get to this haunted house. Yeah, if you're worried about spoilers for the game House Flippers, maybe skip it, like, <laughs> I, five minutes ahead. I know, right? Like, this is... <laughs> Somebody's going to angry tweet I, you tomorrow. You ruined the whole game for me! <laughs> I know, right? When you're walking up to this house, there there is no daylight. You you have to use your flashlight. Everything's dark. And there's this... Sure. There's a strange little gnome on the porch that's right next to the door and you have to walk around him. The door swings open as you approach it. And if you look back, the gnome is now facing you and has very an evil face and is completely like dark and creepy looking (laughs) and super weird. The whole house is very decrepit, falling apart. Instead of like dirt piles and like normal dirt and splatter everywhere, there's definitely claw marks and blood and like black spider webs and stuff. All of the power is flickering. There are... (laughs) 
there probably are, has that not been tube wiring and they're still like <laughs> what real estate agent managed to sell this house to you <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but there's a there's um, a real opportunity when you're when you're doing these when you like buy a house and you're you're changing it up to to sell it. You have like a panel of buyers there that are telling you what they like and don't like, and they're sitting there getting so nitpicky about this fucking haunted house. And you're like, you're not gonna buy this anyway, you fucking bitches. Why are you telling me that you want this <laughs> a certain color? Why are you being weird? So, um, I don't like my houses to be built on Indian burial grounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's there's a bunch of random bunny stuffed bunny toys around. Some of them have uh, knives in their head. Yeah, <laughs> there's like an old like tube style television that's just the the blur, you know, the the static. Mm-hmm. There with a little antenna on top and everything. And there's a, a ghoul mask on the wall. And then if you go upstairs, suddenly everything is blue and dark and very ghostly. And you open... <laughs> one of my favorite things is you open a door to a bedroom and there's some random woman on the floor in, a, in pajamas scrambling away from you. She's very, very Ooh. frightened, like trying to get away from something and then just disappears. I thought this and was this, totally fun until you said that. I know. Like and, I was, I'm this, all, I have my finger on the button right now. I'm ready to buy this game until you talked about this crazy lady in her pajamas. And now I'm scared. No, I mean, it's, that's literally in the entire game. You never see a human in this entire game. And you Ooh. never see another person until that specific moment. That's the only time you ever see a person, but she just scrambles away and then disappears. You can't interact with her. You can't do anything with her, but she's <laughs> she's there. <laughs> and there's also a whole bunch of roaches, roach infestations and all this. The most intricate part, though, is in the basement. And I haven't figured out how to reverse this to actually sell it yet. <laughs> but in the mm-hmm. basement, once you go into the basement and the, it will draw you in, literally, like the door swings open and, and draws you in. It's warped. Like the the vision is completely kind of like looking through a, a kaleidoscope a little bit. Yeah, it's like... That's weird. I know there's a, a specific word for it, and I don't, I don't really... I don't really know. It's it's the vision is very warped and it's 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 like you're kind of on drugs just walking through there and <laughs> trying to get there and there's two hidden rooms in there and they both have these like giant creepy paintings. One of them is of uh Grilla chewing apart a baby. Nice. I know, right? So Our girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you're supposed to destroy those, but I took them and put them in the living room. I think they're cool. <laughs> But yeah, this whole, it's weird how detailed and intricate this fucking haunted house is in this bizarre house flipper game. So once I saw that. Is there like a flip it or keep it option? Like, can you move into the house? Absolutely. Yes. I know. I I laughed when I realized this is what you were talking about, because this is one of those games that's been sitting on like my Steam wish list for a year or something and i keep looking it's at it every so time weird. it goes on sale I'm thinking oh you know i don't know it's such a guilty pleasure like maybe it's just gonna be totally dumb and and i haven't jumped to play it so I, when i realized that was what you were talking about i knew exactly what this was <laughs> let me tell you it is dumb <laughs> it is 100 percent dumb but it's the fun kind of dumb and is, you will, are the mechanics you will actually fun it. like the, yes, like the mechanics are. of rebuilding the house okay yes 
Okay. I really can't explain it, but it is a lot of fun. I'm also playing this <laughs> far more serious creepy horror game that's futuristic horror called Pamela, but I want to get farther into that before I really talk about it here. But it is, it's like a, it seems like a combination of like Bioshock and Portal so far. Hmm. That's an interesting yeah. combination. Yeah, I'm way into it. It looks very cool. I um I have fallen down um and well not fallen down but I have uh, become obsessed with this show called The World's Most Extraordinary Homes on Netflix. Oh, I've seen like, that. It's very cool. It's yeah, <laughs> like and I'm it's driving Ryan a little bit crazy cuz I keep talking about like modern <laughs> home things and like cool things that they can do to like bring the indoor out, bring the outside inside. You know, and, and they're so dramatic about everything. Like, this is extraordinary. Like, they say that about every single thing in the house. <laughs> but I just Yeah, it's love in it. the title of the show. What? <laughs> it's in the title of the show. Yeah. Right? That's <laughs> true. It's, it's funny. And then, the, like, the, you know, the weird combination of, like, the... The guy, Pierce, who's a, an architect, and he always sits outside somewhere, like, in his bare feet, and takes out his in little his notebook <laughs> and, like, draws a really bad drawing of the house to explain, like, how everything works. Like, his deep moments, yeah. Yeah, he sits out there all by himself, <laughs> it's, like, it's this moment. is how the foundation, it's just amazing, it's extraordinary. <laughs> and then the lady's always, like, in their bed or, like, in their swimming pool. She just, like, makes herself at home in the house. <laughs> yeah, she acts like she's going to have her bachelorette party there Oh, every it's, time. It's like, I love looking at the houses, but the hosts are just so funny to me. They're so, they're so yeah. weird. They're such an odd couple. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I've been watching a ton of that just because I... I don't know, because that's that's the like brainless thing. You know, you have to have that like brainless thing that you just throw on. There's a similar one on Netflix right now that has at least three homes that are dedicated specifically to horror. And oh God, for the life of me, I don't remember what the show was called, but it was really cool. <laughs> I'll let you guys know by the end of the show, but it, it was really cool. And there's also one that was a guy turning his like, 100-year-old English home into a sci-fi museum. And it was nice. really fucking cool. I feel like I've seen that one. Is that, like, crazy interiors or something? It's like a something show... Like, that. like a show all about, like, people with, like, normal-looking houses on the outside, and then they have crazy stuff going on, on the inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. There was a guy I'll, that, like, had cat ramps all over the inside of his house. Like, Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he built, like, tunnels yeah. in the walls so they could go all through the house. Yeah, and I definitely wasn't thinking about doing that for my bunnies while watching. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> the terrible game rabbit hole that I fell down recently that everybody's laughing while well, my Discord group are laughing at me about is those really cheesy hidden object games. Each story is exactly the same in all these. It's one, uh, I can't remember the name, Mundy something or other is the name of the the developer and they make all these games and the graphics almost look like you're looking at like a highlights magazine or something nice. <laughs> they're not great <laughs> with like these you know complex scenes of like a whole bunch of just like random crap splayed all over the screen and you have to find all the the list of objects and each story is basically like some cackling villain you know with a mustache who like gets a hold of some kind of relic and uses that relic to like turn people into zombies or something. <laughs> and you're like digging around in this what's supposed to be creepy environment, but really it's not because you're going in and out of the same rooms a million times over and over again to find objects. It's just it's just like a constant scavenger hunt is all the game is. Like, well, you, you have had to find me at cackling villains, so <laughs> 
They're they're really. Ch- I think they went on sale one time on PlayStation Network, and they were like ten bucks or something a piece. And so I had like a whole bundle of them, and then I just fell down this rabbit hole, and I couldn't stop playing them. But they're really shitty. They're really cheesy <laughs> games. <laughs> But that same kind of idea, just like something that's just relaxing and has no pressure or anything, or really anything that's going to kill me. (laughs) They want you to think that things are going to kill you in those games, but you know they're not, because like, you know, you can walk away from the game for 30 minutes and like nothing happens, and they're like, it's really important that you help her right now! You're like, all right, whatever. (laughs) I'll be back after I eat dinner. (laughs) She can chill. (laughs) She'll be fine. She'll be in the same spot after I go through six different rooms looking for six different keys to open this mystery puzzle box. (laughs) The Haunting at Hill House sequel. Do you have info on this, Jackie? Yes, I did, actually. Hang on. I heard that it was the information was put out, but I didn't I honestly didn't have a chance to look at it. Yeah, there are a couple of new horror things that have been released and got new trailers and stuff like that. But there has been a sequel to The Haunting of Hill House that has been announced. The second season is apparently not a paranormal story so much as a meditation of ways <laughs> hang on a second what <laughs> <laughs> this is not just ran across something that gave me info i didn't see before and suddenly i'm a little upset about it one second please do you need help <laughs> no <laughs> here come back to me on that stuff i'll i'll, I'll get back to you okay <laughs> Meanwhile, have we all seen the new Twilight Zone trailer? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it looks amazing. Oh, there's going to be so many good people in it. Oh, I'm so excited. It looks really cool. Our plan is to have viewing parties at work during lunchtime so that only one of us has to buy the subscription. <laughs> oh. It should be very fun. I admire the drive to make mm-hmm. sure that everybody gets to see this without putting money into it. <laughs> I was very excited to see Steven Yoon in there. I miss him from, well, I don't watch Walking Dead anymore, really, because they took him out of it. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I miss him. And Greg Kinnear is in there. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. Who else? Kamal Nanjani, Tracy Morgan, Seth Rogen. Yeah, the cast list that is being thrown around just makes it look even more incredible. We were already excited. They're basically trying to give us palpitations mm-hmm. at this time <laughs> with releasing these I feel trailers. Like if, if you're, yeah, I feel like if you're a young actor in Hollywood right now and you say no to anything that Jordan Peele wants to do, then... Oh, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you're, just, you're just digging your own grave. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm going to make it my goal to use horror puns in every single episode from now on. Do it. (laughs) Okay, so a little more info on the sequel to A Haunting of Hill House here. It's going to be called The Haunting of Bly Manor, and it's not actually going to be following the Crane family from the first season. It's going to be focused on the Bly Manor, which is going to be a retelling of The Turn of the Screw. Oh, okay. I Because I think in our episode in January, that was just like an overview of the things coming out this year, mm-hmm. brought up The Turning of the Screw. And I had no idea that these things were related. Yeah, I feel like we were talking about that as a separate project and didn't realize that that mm-hmm. was actually going to be this. That's interesting. Yeah. Because we're always ahead of the curve. We always know what's coming. <laughs> Yes. Right? Look at We always I mean, have look just at a Grilla. little bit of She's info. everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. We told everybody about Grilla and now she's a celebrity. <laughs> All right. So I want to tell you guys about a comic book series that I've been reading for a bit. It's been out since like September of last year. 
well, still coming out. And as I was reading the most recent one, I thought to myself, the sirens need to be reading this with me because it's so much fun. <laughs> and I don't have, now that I'm not on Talking Comics at the moment, I don't have anyone else to talk to about this comic book and you guys would love it. I don't know if you were aware of the Mockingbird relaunch in comics. You may have seen a piece of artwork that became really talked about. Mockingbird, I actually have a t-shirt with it on it. Mockingbird, she's standing like on a beach kind of in the water. She's got a t-shirt on that says, ask me about my feminist agenda. No, I've seen that t-shirt. I didn't know what it was from. Yeah, it's it's from Mockingbird, and a writer named Chelsea Kane is the one that relaunched that character. And she had a quite frustrating situation like a lot of people have recently, a lot of women specifically have recently, where she got essentially like chased off of Twitter, like decided to give up on Twitter because of misogynists and, and you know, shitheads just like barking at her that they were angry about things that she, that she was bringing her feminist agenda into this comic Oof. book. <laughs> So this series is from Chelsea Kane. The art is done by Kate Nimchik, and the cover is by Leah Maternik. And it's called Maneaters. And it is a story about a mutation called toxoplasmosis that causes menstruating women to turn into ferocious killer wildcats. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're easily provoked and extremely dangerous. And this panic and paranoia kind of takes root in American culture. And it's amazing. There's like fake kind of magazines in some, some sections of the comic books where you see these like advertisements for drinks that are meant to like protect boys from hormones or like protect them from like smelling like hormones so that they don't stimulate the girls to turn into cats. And then like information <laughs> about like they have this whole oh, like they so have this funny. whole like this group of people. They're They're like almost like boy scouts or like wildlife hunters right and their their whole like point is to know like how to hunt the cats and how to and how to capture them and and they're doing like talks around the country like explaining to boys how to protect themselves and what to do in case of an attack and you're supposed to report women in your life who act funny or do anything <laughs> you know who are basically being salty because they might be <laughs> getting ready to turn into mm -hmm. a wildcat it's just this amazing concept, and it's so fucking fun. And the story kind of centers around this little 12-year-old girl who is about to, you know, hit puberty. And she lives with her dad, who is a part of the police force. He's like a detective, I think. It's, it's uh, let's see, they describe it as part cat people and part the handmaid's tale. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the it's the best, it's the best piece of, like, you know, progressive feminist-minded comic book material that I've seen since like Bitch Planet. It's really fantastic. It. <laughs> First issue starts out with a comic book that she's imagining in her head about a superhero called Tampon Woman. And she's playing with her tampons in her bedroom. <laughs> this little girl. But yeah, it's fabulous. And you'll read it like it's so it's hard not to read this book and just kind of like scoff to yourself and laugh and like oh so stupid because you just know that like everything you know it's so salty and it's it's all these like ingenious references to frustrating things that are happening in our society and things that that i think uh women like us um are you know that we deal with every day and kind of seethe under the surface about and and she finds this just genius way to like find humor in it and make fun of it and poke at it 
Not even under the surface anymore. Fuck it. Fuck it. No, this is not under the surface at all. It is very, it is very face value. It's like, I mean, she's talking about like, you know, menstruation and periods in like, in very clear, very graphic detail. <laughs> she's talking about, you know, the entire stupidity of misogyny is the butt of the joke in this series. And it's fabulous. Right off the bat from your description, I love the idea that men in that world have to mask their hormones because the women cannot control themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just, and all the material that's like being written to like help them figure out, you know, what to do and what not to do. And like, you know, don't get the girls too worked up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And the way that they attach the, they connect the women to cats. Yeah, there's a great scene here with a bunch of girls in high school and they're in a class and they're learning about like girls hitting puberty and growing up and the stages of female development are like they've got it in a little in little pictures here. Baby, tween, teen, ferocious panther, <laughs> young adult, <laughs> adult, middle aged and old. <laughs> And its inscription says, emotionally unstable, irrational, unrecognizable to friends and loved ones, overcome with hunger, we would lash out. Blood drunk and ferocious. And that wasn't even the scariest thing we had to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's just so good. It reminds you of so many like ridiculous and silly things that you went through as a teenager. It's, you know, it's a coming of age story told through a, a really frank and forward feminist lens. So I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's some brutal <laughs> cat attack <laughs> scenes in the middle of it. So if you need blood to make you happy, then this book has that too. <laughs> and the last recommendation we have to talk about, which was one that, well, I put it on my list and then Sierra said I was going to put it on my list. And then I think in the meantime, Jackie ended up watching it too. Yep. And we don't know if it's on Jackie's list because we don't know what she thinks about it yet. Can you get some hot takes? It is on my I want to talk about <laughs> the Umbrella Academy TV show on Netflix that I think a lot of people are talking about now. I'm so happy that the show has done so well. Mm-hmm. I read the comic books back when they came out. I don't know. It was a long time ago. I want to say it was like 2007 to 2013. Based on a comic book by Gerard Way and artist Gabriel Ba. And I really liked the comic book series, but it was short. You know, I wish that there had been more of it. So I guess I'll run a quick synopsis if anybody isn't aware of the Umbrella Academy. And then we can sort of talk about how we all felt about it. I think I think our feelings are mutual, though. <laughs> <laughs> On one day in 1989, 43 infants are inexplicably born to random unconnected women who showed no signs of pregnancy the day before. Seven are adopted by a billionaire industrialist, Sir Reginald Hardgreaves, who creates the Umbrella Academy and prepares his children to save the world. In their teenage years, the family fractures and the team disbands. And in the present time, which is sort of where the show picks up, the six surviving members of the clan reunite upon the news of Hargreaves' passing. They work together to solve a mystery surrounding their father's death, but divergent personalities. That's a really soft way of saying, (laughs) explaining these people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And abilities pull the estranged family apart, and a global apocalypse is also an imminent threat in the middle of this family drama. So yeah, I think it's fabulous. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I thought it was going to be like a nice distraction for a little while, but I absolutely loved it. And the first couple episodes that I watched, I felt very skeptical about a couple things, and then immediately just fell in love with it, and I couldn't stop. And I binged it within... I didn't, I couldn't do it in two days like you did, Jackie. It took me like a week, but that's mainly because I have a human at home (laughs) 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 who demands the TV most of the time. 
But I thought it was amazing, and I want to hear what you guys think about it, because I want to talk about, like, our favorite characters and our favorite moments, <laughs> and if you guys haven't seen Umbrella Academy, I'm just going to say right now, fast forward, because I yeah. want to talk about spoilers. I don't want to be restrained in this conversation. Yeah. Did you guys know that the comic won an Eisner Award? I did not cool. know that, actually. Yeah. Dang. It was a really great surprise, because if you guys aren't aware, Gerard Way is lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Yeah. So when he came out into the comic book world, you know, he was met with a lot of criticism and, Mm -hmm. you know, people who... There were, yep, there were a couple of moments in there where I was like, ooh, this is very my chem. Yeah. But I think in general, it wasn't like heavy handed of like, oh, this is so, I don't even know that look and that like pop emo. I was honestly... My chemical romance has always been like a guilty pleasure for me, so I'm not going to say that... I'm not going to say that I was down on him for getting into comic books. I was interested in what he was going to do, but I also, you know, whatever. Yeah, I I like him. I was a little (laughs) skeptical of it being written by Gerard Way. Kind of into that scene a little bit back in the day, but never specifically My Chemical Romance. But I was was a little bit skeptical, but I I have to say, I I really enjoyed this. Like, we... (laughs) We seriously, I I originally tried to put it on while I was working. I like to watch things while I work in the background here. But both Drew and I could not work with it on because it was just a little too interesting. We both got about like 10 minutes into the first episode and we're like, no, no, we got to turn this off and actually watch it because this... (laughs) (laughs) We seriously went through this entire series in like two days because it was that interesting for us. I I I very much enjoyed that one. Gerard Way has since then written a few other comic book series, actually. Really? He's very much proven his place. In comics, yeah. He did a a really fun series called The True Lies of the Fabulous Killjoys, which was also worked on by Sean Simon and Becky Cloonan, one of our favorite artists on the show. Very cool. Yeah, he's done a few little things. He's done Hotel Oblivion. Is uh, Actually, they just got back on doing new Umbrella Academy issues. Just started it back up, I think, this year or something. Because I remember talking about on, on TC, like right at the beginning of the year that they were finally coming back. While we're somewhat on the topic of music, or rather Gerard Way, I was um, expecting there to be some My Chemical Romance in the music part of it. And I and it was very much not right, that. There was one song that I, that I picked out, maybe. I don't know if I missed any others, but I only noticed one at the very, very, very end there, and it was very nicely placed. The fucking soundtrack to the show was amazing. So good. It was so, so good. good. Both Drew and I commented multiple times. We were like, oh, we don't know who is uh, choosing the music for this, but they have not only amazing taste, but great timing <laughs> with these songs here. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not stuff that I would sit around and listen to, but when it came on, I was like, oh, this song is perfect for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel, Sarah? I loved it. I went on to Spotify a little bit after watching it and found a playlist of all the music. Nice. And I was like, I like that song and that song and that <laughs> song. I just added them to my other playlists. One thing I found out when uh, Gerard Way first started doing comic books, I read a couple of interviews with him, it was that he basically, he's always been a comic book fan and he's always wanted to write comics. And I think just, you know, the success of his music opened up the opportunity to sort of throw some money into it and do Gave it. Gave him that platform. Yeah. Yeah. Just like to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to try this. And, you know, if it doesn't go well, whatever, because he had a little bit of income to do that. So... It's really cool. Um, but it's something that he's always wanted to do. And I think he even said, you know, a lot of the projects he did with MCR, like like the Black Parade, were very much done with sort of like this almost comic book 
story vision in his head, which makes a lot of sense. If you go back and listen to some of that stuff now, it's like, it's all, you know, he's very much one of those people, kind of like Green Day, who likes to make an album that's a story, you know? Well, mm-hmm. interestingly, uh, Coheed and Cambria, all of their music follows along with a comic book theme as well. They actually did have a couple of graphic novels released. And that's one I would like to see. Uh, <laughs> not only more releases of the graphic novels, but an adaptation would be really fucking cool. Maybe Netflix will take that on next. But <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of strange that there are a few bands and musicians from that era that circle around comics and the love of comics. Maybe that's just what our generation kind of grew up with. I think part of it, too, is that our generation is more more recognizes comics that are not necessarily superhero stories. Mm, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where older generations very much saw comics as like, oh, it's Superman or Batman or it's Marvel DC kind of stuff. Where our generation, um, or I don't, I say that, but we're really like three different generations on the show. But <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm the oldest one here. And I'd say even for me, like I didn't start reading comics until I was probably in my early 20s. But I immediately recognized the comics that were anything but superhero stories. And, you know, and I've managed to maintain a relationship with the comics community since that time without ever having to really put my toes into superhero stuff at all. So that's the the amount of content that's constantly being produced that has nothing to do with Superman or Batman or anybody else, you know? Yeah, the way I see it, looking at comics as just superhero movies or superhero uh, stories is just looking at it as too small. Comics Mm -hmm. are just Mm -hmm. so much bigger than that. Right, but it took a while for comics to get there. Yeah. You know, when I first started reading, if it was like, if you said a comic that's not about superheroes, anybody would maybe say Watchmen, Yeah, you know? True. A couple British writers were really the only people who were doing projects that weren't based around already known characters. But now it's everywhere. But anyway, Umbrella Academy. (laughs) 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 I was talking to my Discord group the other day about this, and I was trying to think of, like, who my favorite characters are. And it's really hard to actually come up with, because I feel like there were characters that that were annoying in the beginning, and then I grew to really love them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Klaus was that for me. And then there were characters I thought I was going to love that ended up kind of falling flat a little bit for me. Well, not characters. I'd say I have really one flaw with a character. Let's hear it. Spill it. I really love Klaus and Ben, which I almost consider them Mm -hmm. one character together. Yeah. I love the team of Klaus and Ben. And when it started out, Klaus was really annoying to me because I just kind of thought, oh, here's another, you know heavy-handed goth character. Yeah, I expected him to be a lot more annoying. Yeah, but they really let his character develop, you know? They, they really let him, like, have shades of personality. really was did. Nice. And he developed yeah. in such a beautiful and sad and awesome way. Yeah, you couldn't help but love the guy. And, like, he, you know, in the beginning I thought, oh, God, this is the goth brother, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. this is the one that's gonna be, like, he's just gonna be pouting all the time, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think definitely his struggle has a lot to do with that. It's hard not to feel empathy for him, but also just the, I think, the emotional attachment that he has, that he maintains to Ben throughout mm-hmm. the show. It's just like, it, every time I saw them together, it was just so startling to me, this idea that, like, they have this dead brother who, like, you know, the the he, junkie is the only one who can still see him and communicate with and him. he's always there. And nobody even knows. Yeah, mm-hmm. nobody else even knows that he's there. 
So, like, the, their brother is there with them all the time, and, like, he can't communicate that to his siblings. Which was one of my biggest frustrations with the show, was the the utter lack of communication these people have with each other. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many times, like, just tell yeah. them what you saw! <laughs> like, they just don't say pertinent information, you know? But, um, yeah, just believe that your siblings would believe you and give you the benefit yeah. of the doubt. Right. Even, a lot of the Even time. when he does tell them, they just dismiss him outright. Like, yeah. So frustrating. Yeah. And number five ended up being a favorite of mine, too. Yeah. I really, really love number five. I love his, like, Vulcan, you know, like, super business kind of <laughs> yeah. attitude about everything. Cause, and it's, you know, something I realized about, and I have no, I, the actor's name is Aiden Gallagher, and I don't know anything about this kid before. Apparently he was on, like, a Disney show for a while. Huh. A friend of mine recognized him from a show her kid used to watch. But what I thought was really genius is, I don't know if you guys noticed this, at some point in the show, I started noticing him making, like, body movements that were very indicative of an old man. Huh. Like, he was he was hunched over kind of a lot. His shoulders were always kind of sagging, and he never stood up straight like a child would. There were times when he was kind of, like, limping, and he sort of was had this, like, shuffle. And I started noticing it and thinking, like, what's wrong with him? And then I realized, like, what he's doing is he's personifying an old man in a child's body which just makes the <laughs> makes it all the more interesting you know that he was finding these like small physical ways on screen to give himself age on the inside because you know that's very clever even though it, yeah like even though he's in a child's body he still has the muscle memory and the and the experience and the aches and pains in his brain of being an old man and the, and the horrible things that he went through basically living his entire life out in the apocalypse <laughs> post-apocalypse talking to his mannequin girlfriend which is i absolutely love dolores <laughs> adorably odd right yeah. <laughs> number five is another one who's uh i thought his shtick would get annoying with the whole i'm older than you chill out kind of thing but i i feel like they did it in, in a nice way especially i think he was talking to luther about killing people and he just straight up told luther grow up this is how things have to work and having real honest conversation with Luther about how the world goes. And it just, it was so raw. It really. Yeah. Yeah. And the other side of that was that there were moments when he did look like a child. There were moments when like, he looked a little bit more frail and a little more, um, uh, what's that word? Uh, vulnerable. Yeah. He looked a little bit mm -hmm. more vulnerable at times. And I thought, that really makes sense because even though he's an old man mentally, his relationship with his family is that of a child. Like yeah. he's never developed a relationship with any of these people. That's true. You know, he disappeared when he was a child. So like he still very much sees them probably as he did when he, when he left, which he was, what did they say? He was like 13 mm -hmm. or something or. And it's just that same thing of like, you can never go home. Like you always just revert back to. Right. To who you were when you were growing like up. Like, all these other siblings had a lifetime of experiences between each other, you know, that they've come and gone in each other's lives. He just re-entered their life, like, still as a child, and that's still how they see him. <laughs> so, it was, it was, it just, yeah, his acting prowess really amazed me as the show went on. Like, just watching him kind of, like, carry on these two different kind of personas, if you will, you know? And his interactions with the, uh, what was the woman's name? His boss. Yeah, his boss. Was that Grace? Was Grace her no, name? No, Grace was the mom. Oh, okay. That's right. The robot mom. Who was also somehow tragic. Mm -hmm. Every right. character had some kind of 
disturbing tragedy in their story. They're, they're, yeah, all these characters that come across as like so comedic and cartoony in the beginning. These people are so ridiculous and silly. And then just, I'd say by like episode three, they really start to flesh these people out. And you really start to see that they have so many layers underneath them. Yeah. I love Allison at the beginning. She didn't do anything for me at all. But as the story went on, she was a character that I just wanted to know better. Yeah. Luther is hard to not love. He's just a big man baby, but not in the terrible way that we normally refer to them as. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's just heartbroken. Yeah. And he tries so hard to bring them all together, but it's just like they're destined to be repelling each other. He does it in such a like naive way mm-hmm. because he is totally naive. Yep. And because he never left the, like he was the last one to leave. Right. Like he never really got to grow up in the real he world. He expects to be the leader. While everybody else has taken control of their own lives. So they're like, why should we follow you? My God, the episode when Klaus is left to chase Luther around to the rave. And (laughs) that episode had me rolling. It was so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, Diego. Diego was uh, probably one of my least favorite characters. Yeah, Diego's. I think Diego is the one that I just couldn't find that that thread of of commonality relatability yeah yeah well it was hard because he was he like he had a he had probably one of the thickest walls of any of them up and it was you know where all of them sort of give you like little hints of Mm -hmm. their 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 damage behind the wall like even though diego we have that whole storyline with his you know his ex-girlfriend and everything and that's supposed to make him feel soft and vulnerable it's still it still just kind of made me feel like all right so he decided you know he made a good choice not to kill somebody one time, but other than that, like, I felt like the wall just never came down for him. Yeah. One thing I had a hard time resolving, which is maybe just because I read the comic, was Vanya, actually. Yeah. As much as I like Ellen Page, and I do like her a lot, I just physically, and the way that she acts, and the way that she moves, just, I it was really hard for me to get used to her as Vanya. What differences were there between her on screen and her in the comic? The Vanya in the comic was, I guess I would say, this is going to sound shallow when I say this, but she turns into a violin, right? She literally like becomes a violin in the comic book. Okay. And she was portrayed as almost like shaped, very, very tall, very shapely, very soft and feminine. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's not Ellen Page. No, it's not. And it, it's not that like <laughs> it's not that I'm I'm judging Ellen Page for being who she is because I love who she is, but she's, you know, Ellen Page has a certain like swagger about her. Mm-hmm. And like she carries herself a little bit hunched, you know, and a little bit like she always has a chip on her shoulder the way she carries herself. Right. And like I know that she's supposed to be bruised and she's supposed to be really kind of damaged by this family, mm-hmm. you know, and she's not supposed to have a lot of confidence. But I don't see Ellen Page that way either. I see almost like a almost like a Wednesday Adams kind of like flavor of damage, you know, <laughs> where like she owns it and lives in it. And see, yeah, I don't know. It was hard for me to remedy that character with her for a very long time. It's hard for me to believe the guy that she, the boyfriend that she had. I can't remember his name now. Leonard. Leonard. Yeah, the boyfriend. It, I found it hard to believe that she would be manipulated by this kind of weaselly obviously sketchy dude i felt like they didn't have a lot of chemistry uh between the two of them yeah it was almost like she's supposed to be so kind of broken mm-hmm. right like and mm-hmm. almost desperate for love and for acceptance that she accepts this guy at face value and like kind of takes him you know that he cares about her whatever but 
I don't know. I just, and even in the character she was playing as Vanya in here, like, I just never bought her as being, I don't know, being that desperate or that bruised to accept this guy. Because I thought, this guy is really fucking obvious and weaselly and sketchy. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. so obviously sketchy. Right. <laughs> right? And, like, she, I thought, you know, she mm-hmm. could have easily, like, outsmarted this guy six episodes ago. I don't know. I don't get it. I can, I I can see that there was something that was bothering me about Vanya and hearing you s- describe the comic version of her like that, that makes a lot of sense. If you look up the comic book images, you'll see what I mean. She was very kind of like hourglass, like... Yeah, I'm looking at it right you know, now, actually. That makes sense. Yeah, like tall, slender, you know, character. I always saw her as this very kind of, I don't know, like just u- ultra kind of like feminine, soft person. And I don't... It's hard to see Ellen Page that way. Yeah, Ellen Page is an incredible actress in her own right, but that doesn't seem like the the right fit for her. Right. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I just, I, I think I too, I have a hard time since she's come out officially um, as being a gay woman. I have a hard time as well seeing her in so many straight roles. Like, yeah. I want to just see her play. <laughs> I just want to see her play a lesbian with swagger because that's what she is. And like, I want to see her like express a little bit more of herself in these roles. I know it's a role and she's an actress, but I don't know. It just, it's harder for me to like believe her in a relationship with this Weasley yeah, guy. Why does no. she keep getting shoved into these straight roles? Like, why? And like straight damaged, like, you know, really vulnerable women too. Yeah. Where it's hard because I think to just, I don't know, maybe I've just seen too much of her own person that now I just see her as a very like strong, confident woman. And she's very comfortable in her identity, you know? And so like, it's weird to see her in a role like this to believe her as being this person. I got used to it, but it took a while. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's just the only thing in this show that didn't click for me. A hundred percent. I feel you. Sierra, who were your favorites? I really did like Klaus. I'm trying to think if there's anybody. Oh, I really loved. Oh, gosh. What's his name now? The assassin, the guy. Hazel. Oh, Hazel. Yeah, I loved Hazel, Hazel too. Yes. He was delightful. I liked how his personality kind of stayed true throughout everything. But he was clearly making choices to, like, change his his world and his whole point of view and what he brought to the whole story. Oh, he just wanted to eat donuts and be in love. I know. So cute. (laughs) And the change of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't destroy all of this. Yeah. But honestly, uh, because he had something to live for. Does Mary J. Blige (laughs) age or... Jackie. No. <laughs> oh my god, you said that? What, I, seriously, I didn't even recognize Cha-Cha was Mary J. Blige. I remember seeing in the credits that Mary J. Blige was in this, and I'm like, who is she? I had to look it up. I didn't know that that was her. <laughs> and I'm very familiar with what she looks like, but she just looked yeah, she looked like you, a young... like Because you expect her to be, what, I, like 20 years older? No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I kind of expect her to play kind of like an Angela Bassett type role, you know, where she's like an Mm -hmm. elder or something, or like a wise woman. I'm like, I didn't think she was like the lady that was kicking everybody's ass and doing backflips. Ninja assassin, (laughs) like, yeah. She's almost 50. She is almost 50, okay? (laughs) Oh my god. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I can't even like turn my head the wrong way without pulling a muscle yeah, at this I'm point. Like, meanwhile, I'm still I, 10 years younger than her. I have like three doctor's appointments this week and I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested to see how much of her uh, stunts she did for the show. Yeah. So we unanimously love Umbrella Academy. 
Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of it that, having not read the comic, I think there were nods to the creepy dad guy being from outer space, right? Mm -hmm. That I just didn't understand. And it kind of, like, took me out of the whole story when they had that, like, flashback scene. I was just, like, so confused by it, and it felt really out of place not knowing the context of it. And then Tucker explained it to me. Okay, what, what is this world? What's that? What is that about? With the well, rockets? I don't, I don't want to tell you too much because season two is actually supposed to talk a lot more about his backstory. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, season two is going to spend more time on Reginald and tell you more about him. That's kind of how I think they decided to set the show up was like starting in the modern day. And then little Mm -hmm. flashbacks to their childhood, but kind of like working backwards so that you eventually start to see, you know, one of those like backward stories. So you start to see like how all these things came to be as you work back. And interesting to see that they don't have cell phones and computers as well. Oh, yeah. The technology. Yeah. Was really interesting. Yeah. They have a robot mom. Yeah. Yeah. An android robot mom. And monkey butler. And half monkey son. Yeah. (laughs) You know, poor Luther with his gorilla body. Mm Mm-hmm. They explain that a little bit towards the end, I think, right? When they explain to you that Reginald came into this world and basically tried to recreate some of his technology in, in the new world that he lives in. I think you could summarize it by saying it's an incredibly fucking fun show and... It's hard mm-hmm. to watch it and not have a good time yeah. with at least most of it. And I, I love that they took this thing that felt really goofy and cartoony at the beginning and like just really like found some deep digging emotional holes to kind of like crawl into. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really like on the verge of tears multiple times watching that show. It was very beautifully done. And the production quality is great too. Yeah. So um, we will take a really quick break and then we're going to come back and chat about some other stuff. Just some fun stuff that I wanted to talk about. I don't even... Take a quick break, an hour in. (laughs) Are we an hour in already? Oh my God. Sorry. I knew we were going to spend that whole time talking about Umbrella Academy. I'm sorry. My husband and I have been looking for horror light films that we can introduce my my little demon Max to, since he's suddenly become very interested in the horror genre now. And he's constantly asking to watch things that he's definitely not ready for. <laughs> his, his big obsession is Jason Voorhees is a great example, so he's not going to be watching Friday the 13th anytime soon. Poltergeist is one that he kept pulling off the Blu-ray shelf. Ryan is a big Blu-ray nerd, so we have a huge shelf full of actual physical movies. We agreed that while it might give him a bad dream or two, there wasn't really anything too violent or inappropriate in there. So we watched it with him, and not too long into his first viewing, the first moment of TV static 
like spookiness that happens in the film when uh, Carolyn sits down and talks to the TV. Max mm-hmm. immediately looked at me very confused and said, why is their TV broken? What happened to their TV? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when it occurred to me that he's never seen a TV go static like that. And he, he never will, really, unless it's broken. I think that even in my generation, you know, I'm 40 years old and like, I don't, it's hard for me to remember at this point when TVs went static like that. Yeah, and like the uh, playing the national anthem right. at a certain time, that's like so bizarre. I don't, you know, I should have looked this up, but I'm interested now in like when they stopped doing that, like when TVs, when TV stations kind of ended that tradition. But it just, you know, it and it really, like, it started my brain on this whole kind of train of thought of common horror tropes that are really obsolete now. Things that modern viewers won't ever have to worry about that will happen for real because they're literally history outside of fictional film. And I realized that a lot of horror, you know, there's period pieces and there's horror that's about things from the past. And I don't mean that it, th- those things aren't spooky anymore. I mean that, like, you don't have that fear of, you know, you climb into bed at night and you have to get out of bed and walk down the hallway or whatever, you know, that that stuff is actually going to translate into your life. Those things are going to feel very separated from reality now. And I don't know, I just, I thought it would be a fun thing to chat about and think about how many of these horror movie staples are a thing of the past now. And once I started thinking about it, there were actually more recent ones than the static of the TV that I could think of that are completely obsolete. And I think, Sierra, maybe did you put the Curse VHS tape in here? Because this is one that I was thinking mm-hmm. of, too. Yep. Yeah, the Curse VHS tape. And, it, like, that wasn't that long ago. I definitely grew up with VHS tapes. <laughs> Yep. Mm-hmm. You said the grudge in here, but I think you meant the ring. I don't remember VHS tape in the grudge. Oh, yeah, I did mean the ring. Okay. Yeah, but that, like, the whole movie is based on that concept, right? You have to watch the movie, like, the VHS tape gets passed around. And the ring doesn't feel like that old of a movie. <laughs> nope. No. It doesn't, but it's already, it's, it's already, like, that's already not going to happen. Nobody's going to pass around a VHS tape. <laughs> Right. Even if they do, like, if somebody hands you a VHS tape, you're going to be like, how am I, how do I watch this? Like, what the hell is this? Man, I don't have a (laughs) tape player. (laughs) (laughs) Like, staticky radio stations is another thing. Yeah. Uh, Radio stations. Uh What's that game? What's that? Uh, Jackie, I think you played this one, too. What is that video game with the girl that goes to the island and you get a little radio and as you move around the island, you have to, like, use the, the radio to tune into stations to hear different voices oh oh um fuck that was a really good game oxen free yeah that was an amazing game yeah yeah it really was and you know it wasn't that long ago that that you know radio stations were like a normal thing that you were like going through the dial and trying to make the sound come in properly and you know that was a great a great moment for a spooky ghost to speak through your radio. <laughs> and I mean, technically they're still around, but we, I mean, it's still, it's, it's still transitioning. I would say like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's more satellite. And I still have a CD player radio in my car, which is a 2009. So it's not, it's, it's only 10 years old, but you know, we always just plug, we always just plug a phone or something into it and play MP3s anyway. So like, we don't actually use the radio, ever. <laughs> There's radio in our car, but, I mean, we have Bluetooth, so we just connect it to mm-hmm. phones that way. But, I mean, it's like a 2017 or something. What about phone lines? I didn't think about this one either, but, 
you know, like... Oh, yeah, like you could cut a phone mm-hmm. line. Yeah, which was as recent as, like, Scream. I think, didn't the first Scream movie have an actual corded phone in it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's the same thing with security systems. Security systems used to have a hard wire that they could uh-huh. cut oh, from the outside. Yeah. Like, I remember when we bought this house, we actually had to ask about that because we, like, I had never had a, an actual security system in the house that I had to deal with as an adult. <laughs> so there was, like, mm-hmm. this fucking retro-looking 90s security system hookup in our in our kitchen, and I noticed it had a hard wire. I'm like, can't a burglar just cut this from the outside and walk right on in? Dude was like, no, we're going to give you a new one, and it, and it connects to the, the cell towers. You know, they can't, they can't cut that. We already thought about that for you. I'm like, oh, cool. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, now I can picture like a scene in a new screen movie, you know, where somebody answers the phone and they say the phone line's cut, you know, and the whole joke would be like, wait, you have a phone in your house? You have a phone like connected by a cord? <laughs> <Still has> a <laughs> landline. <laughs> that would be something that like their friend makes fun of them for, you know? <laughs> that, yeah, that would be great. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they have a landline. <laughs> Even not having cell reception is pretty rare these days. Most people have reception, you know, I mean, maybe if you're in the middle of the woods, like in, I don't know, Tennessee or Montana or something where like, you know, you're buried in a forest somewhere, you might not have reception. But yeah, that's like the key advertising Mm -hmm. point of cell phone companies these days is that they have reception everywhere. (laughs) Maybe having a dead battery would still be a thing because we all use our phones so much that we're constantly having to charge batteries. Right. In fact, if I uh, were in marketing for a cell phone company, I might use horror movies as a uh, marketing ploy for that. Mm-hmm. That would be a cool commercial. Yeah. How come nobody's done that yet? Maybe somebody has. No, we're just giving away ideas for free over here. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet if you had five friends, right, out driving on like an, like a dark road, let's say in the Blue Ridge Mountains, right? At least one of those five friends are going to end up having a battery brick in their pocket. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Or like a solar backpack If not a way something. to just charge yeah. it in the car. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I have a solar charger in my backpack. We just have to wait for the sun to come up and we'll be okay. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind for me when I was thinking about these was answering the door, like doorbells. <laughs> and I, Like, I actually mm-hmm. saw a meme going around of people... You know, somebody saying, now I realize why people got killed so often in the 70s is because everybody would answer their door. Like, I do not answer (laughs) my fucking door ever. Like, the doorbell rings, and I am that asshole that I sit here, and I grab my phone, and I pull up the camera footage from my front porch, and I look at that person (laughs) on my phone. I'm like, oh, You're like an old recluse. (laughs) (laughs) I don't answer the door. Like, (laughs) <laughs> and you talk you talk through like a do you talk through like a voice changer oh, so they don't know we don't even we don't even have a speaker out there yet like i really want to put one out there so that i can tell people just leave the package and go but <laughs> right now like I, i'm recording you leave the package i'm recording you right now i will literally like pull up the camera footage and if it seems important i'll tell drew to go down and answer it so if anybody gets killed, it's going to be true. You should just shout, get off my lawn. <laughs> get everybody get that shows up. Get off my porch. Come back on Halloween. We'll <laughs> give you candy then. <laughs> I, you know, when you just said that, I realized nobody, we have doorbells on all of our doors and nobody ever uses them. Everybody knocks on the door. It's like a weird, like, recessive thing. Like, why why did everybody go back to knocking on the door instead of using right. the doorbell? Or, like, if we order food or something, they never come to the door. They will call me. And it's, that's 
Why do yeah. you do that? <laughs> At least text. What are, what are you doing? I have the opposite problem. I wish my pizza guy would send me a message or call me. Ugh. We have three different entries into our house. And you know what happens? The pizza guy will come and go to like one door. And I run to go meet him. And then he figures, then he decides that like we're not answering quick enough. So he'll go to a different door. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a game that we play with the pizza guy every time. And there's three floors in my house with three different doors. Oh, I'm God. like, just pick a fucking door just and stay, stay there, there long enough for me to get to the door. <laughs> you need to put signs on your doors at that point. Just stay here. Fuck. <laughs> And the funny thing is, is sometimes, like, when you pull in, we have a garage door that your car is usually pointed at when you pull into the to the driveway, and people will completely ignore that door. <laughs> and that's, us- that's the door that we use most of the time. So we'll go right out to the garage door, and everybody will be, like, at the front or in the backyard at the back door. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we got off on that one. But I was thinking about spooky, like, candlelit hallways. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, everywhere that you go now, like, you flip a switch and basically the entire room is lit up. Yeah. Immediately. So you don't get that kind of, like, atmospheric, like, you know, part of the hallway is lit dimly and part of it's still black, you know? Yeah. Or even automatic lights. <laughs> Although gas lamps are a thing here in Savannah. Yeah? Yeah, people have a lot of gas lamps here. But it's it's usually outside, so there's still, like, street lamps around, too. So it's not, like, super dark, but it's just kind of, like, an aesthetic thing. But it is really cool and spooky looking. I love it. <laughs> yeah, street lights are... Street lights can still be spooky in some places. Yeah, yeah, that's There's still, a, you know, lights that are, like, partially lit, but not well. Mm-hmm. And if they kind of flicker, yeah. too. Yeah, I do run into a lot of flickering lights these days. I've realized that LED lights don't communicate well with dimmers, which I know both because we tried to put dimmers on our LED lights at the salon and we tried to put a new LED light in Max's room with a dimmer and both had the same result, which was a lot of flickering and lights turning off randomly (laughs) and annoying buzzing sounds. Yeah, to specifically get a dimmable one. Yeah, I don't know. We've tried a couple different ones. It, Ryan finally gave up and just put a normal light bulb lamp back into his room because everything was buzzing and flickering. And but yeah, so I guess flickering lights are back in. Now <laughs> 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 that everybody's switching to LEDs. <laughs> I was thinking spook- spooky phone calls in general because nobody really makes phone calls anymore. That's true, and nobody answers yeah. their phone. I would just let it go or to voicemail. Or voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm thinking, I had no idea I was being haunted. <laughs> can you imagine, like, can you imagine, like, the famous scene from Scream, right? The murder, like, I'm in your house. I'm watching you. And, like, the girl's, like, ignoring and they're all going to voicemail. And, you know, eventually the guy just has to, like, smash a window. He's like, I've been leaving you voicemails for an hour. It's just like, who leaves voicemails? Why didn't you just text what? me? <laughs> Just, just, it is a little bit harder to make tes- text messages creepy, yeah, just right? Just text me a skull emoji so that I know that you're being menacing. <laughs> I see you, skull emoji. <laughs> you're wearing a red sweater, skull emoji. I'm coming to get you, creepy eyes, knife emoji. <laughs> Zombie emoji. Be like, what? Wait, is the zombie texting me, or are you just using that for variety? <laughs> the creepy unmarried spinster trope. Yeah, like, okay, so... Is that you, Jackie? Yeah. 
absolutely it is, obviously. <laughs> yes. You're just the creepy married Spencer Trump. Exactly. You always see in uh, like old stories how that creepy unmarried uh, woman at the end of the lane is like known as the town witch or something that all the kids are afraid of and shit like that. But now that not being married and not having kids is more socially acceptable, it's like, well, maybe she's got the good candy at Halloween. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she's not so much creepy. Or she's got the Mercedes. Yes. She's not so much <laughs> creepy as maybe she's just a career woman that doesn't give a fuck about social norms. <laughs> you hear the kids having the conversation right throughout on Halloween like that lady's never been married she lives alone hey you know girls can be whatever they want to be if they want to be alone for the rest of their lives they can do that <laughs> she doesn't have kids oh I bet she's got some baller vacations though yep <laughs> I was thinking like just being a stalker like, how does the modern-day stalker work, right? Like, does he actually show up anywhere anymore? Or can you just... Because you can find information on everybody online. So you don't even have to go out and, like... You don't need to dig around somebody's garbage or look at their mail or do anything yeah, like, like that. everybody's kind of a stalker. Yeah. Yeah. Just by That's having true. Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> We're all stalking each <laughs> it's other. It's a lot less menacing. Did you see that newest Penn Badgley show? Because that like, really took stalking up to a new level with including modern technology. No. Oh, it's mm -hmm. called You. It's on Netflix, and it's creepy as hell. Have we Aww. not talked about this? No, I've seen it in in the, like, oh lineup. Oh, my God. But it I haven't is, actually it is, watched it. It is wonderfully creepy. Penn Badgley is a, uh, a bookstore owner, and some girl comes into his shop that he is just instantly obsessed with and starts following her around and dating her and getting really, really, really weird. Yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Yeah, if you want to know how modern people stalk, I think that's like a, a how-to guide. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... A what not to do guide. <laughs> Sierra made a good point, you know? It's like the modern-day stalker has to work a lot harder. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's, everybody's used to stalking, and we're all used to being watched. Like, we're all used to, like, our information mm -hmm. being known. Yeah. You know, the stalker would be like, I know where you are. And she's like, yeah, I know. I use my location. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I just checked in there. Did you see my, did you see my last Instagram post? Yeah. Like, <laughs> did you like it? <laughs> and I had on here, um, inspiration point being replaced with Netflix and chill. You know, there's, there's no creepy hook on the door handle anymore while you're necking at inspiration point. Because now you're just going to stay home and order a pizza and watch Netflix. <laughs> Make out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I guess you could still get the, you could still catch the bad couples. The couples making out like in the woods, you know, because they're doing their, they're taking their social media hiatus. Mm -hmm. Going on a vacation in the woods where they're not going to post anything for a week. <laughs> That's when you get it. Yeah. Although Jason's going to have a long wait because people don't do that very often. He's just hanging out at Crystal Lake, like, <laughs> waiting for somebody to turn off their phone. <laughs> Sierra, I'm guessing that this uh, UFO point is yours. Oh, yeah. So, I was thinking about this on the way home, which I think about this a lot, is, like, the argument against Bigfoot and UFOs and cryptids and things is, like, we all have cameras in our pockets all the time. So, if this stuff was real, we would have, like, definitive photos and videos of it 
and and why why are these always so blurry which is like yes that's true and that kind of breaks my heart mm-hmm. a little bit but also with photoshop and like everything else you can fake all that stuff too yeah, it's got to be so much easier to make to make like hoax stuff, though, right yeah. but it's yeah. also pretty easy to detect when something has been photoshopped yeah it's not like you're looking Unless at a tin type good. and going oh i don't know i see a reflection back there <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like kind of works with like ghost hunting shows that they can like use new technology to like prove that there are ghosts talking to you. But then also it could be faked. I don't know where I'm going with this, but just that it it adds and it takes away at the same time. I suddenly just got a imaginary like a, a situation in my head of, you know, a killer trying to spook out any horror podcaster, right? And you and you were like criticizing him, like, no, 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 you got to like rap on the window. That's a lot scarier than knocking on the door. (laughs) I'm not going to answer my phone, so don't call me with creepy stuff. (laughs) Just tap on my window. I think if any of us were were somehow pulled into a horror like situation, we would definitely be very critical of it and be like, well, this is a little. This is a little repetitive over here, and this is. Don't you think this I is totally saw that a coming. little homage right here of classic horror? Very yeah. derivative. You were super creepy when you were just staring at me through the window, but as soon as you started talking, everything just went downhill. Right. <laughs> just don't say anything. Just stare. Yeah, that was that's creepy. That was a bit predictable. Like it's been done, and maybe you can. Yeah. <laughs> It's derivative. What you're doing is really derivative. I've seen this movie Think before. of more clever ways to kill me. Honestly. <laughs> well, that was fun, guys. Thanks for uh, humoring me and chatting, making an entire episode out of really just a silly idea that I had. Wait, no, I have a quick question for Sierra what? here. Did you think about that whole photoshopping with the UFO encrypted thing because I posted that Twin Peaks and uh, tra- uh, Star Trek mashup photoshop today? I just, no, I, I didn't think of it because of that, but uh, that was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> just serendipity. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I would love to get a lot more comments from our listeners. And I'm just going to put the pressure out there. I'm going to call you guys out or call you in. I don't know what the hell the difference is, but I hear people saying that all the time now. And just say, you know, send us your questions and comments and communicate with us because I think it's super fun for us to hear from our listeners and get your opinions and your feelings about things too. And we like to discuss them, but we'll be nice, I promise. (laughs) Mostly. When are we not? We're always nice. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes we're crotchety. Unless you're an asshole. (laughs) You know, if you catch Jackie on a bad night, she's had to yell at too many delivery guys. (laughs) (laughs) Calling. On the front porch. (laughs) Oh, my God. Just bring me the food. Just leave it there and ring the bell and go. God. (laughs) Just put an old cardboard box on the porch that says, leave my stuff and go. food here. And write read. it in like big scrabbly like <laughs> scary looking letters so they think like a psycho lives there <laughs> anyway off track again to keep our show going please take a second to rate and review us wherever you listen to the podcast be it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify I like Pocket Cast and you know stop by and say something about us if you want to say something nice if you want to say something mean then don't don't say anything 
(laughs) (laughs) If you want to come and chat with us or you have questions for us, you want us to chat with you, you can contact us at sirens at sirensofscream.com. You can find our show notes, past episodes, links to more shows at sirensofscream.com. And you can hit up our social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Are we still on Tumblr? I forgot the password to it. Okay. <laughs> so I technically, mean, but I totally expected I totally expected Sierra to drop off Tumblr because they won't let us post nude pictures anymore. So Yeah, yeah I mean that's the point. I haven't been on Tumblr in a while. <laughs> <laughs> We're on most of the social media places and you know, just look for Sirens of Scream. And we would love to hear from you guys there. Sierra, where can people find you on your personal social media pages mm-hmm. you can find me and pictures of my dogs <laughs> on instagram at sierra hauk that's pretty much the best place to go i think yeah jackie where can people you can find, find you? me and pictures of my bunnies <laughs> jackie the robot <laughs> on twitter and instagram and melissa i'm looking at your instagram right now you are yeah, your hair pictures are so pretty. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that Instagram. <laughs> you can find pictures of my my kid and my animals and the fun stuff that we talk about here at Lissa Punch on Instagram. And you can also talk to me on Twitter at Lissa Punch. And that is going to be a wrap for this evening, guys. So... You're just an object to me I'd like to get to know you better Paste you across my body You're just an object to me You're just a piece of me I love you better, love you forever, you're just an object to me.
your sweater You're just an object to me